Perhaps his fingerprints were put on the knife after he was deceased. Good heavens, he's right. Twiddle's moustache. Mr. Poirot, I noticed that you're telling us off for keeping things from you, and you have finished precisely no sentences since we started talking about who might have committed the murder. And then they, they leave, and Poirot again mysteriously says, Ah, I found out something interesting there, which I'm not going to tell you. And then we move on to the next chapter. Damn it, Hercule! Hello, and welcome to part three of Shark Liver Oil's read-through of The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. How you doing, Dave? I'm all right, Matt, how are you? Concerned. Yeah, Cons- feeling concerned. weighed down with mystery. Yeah, concerned for Ralph, who we've both accused, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm increasingly thinking he might be innocent, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm the, the finger of completely meritless suspicion continues to point at Ralph Patton <laughs> how was I to know I'd pick the red herring all the way through <laughs> so uh, this week we're reading uh, from uh, it's chapter 12 called Round the Table uh, as far as chapter what is it is it six, 16 oh no hang on 16 end of, end of chapter 16 isn't it? is it hold on good start <laughs> this isn't it <laughs> Never let it be said that we're coasting on our previous minuscule success. I ah, see. It says here for me, end of chapter seventeen. So as far as Charles Parker, Charles Kent. So as far as it is, <laughs> you read the chapter right, Parker, and then you stop at Charles Kent. That's chapter sixteen. <laughs> What's going on here? No, it's a, well. We've got, got different versions. <laughs> Have they given me different chapter numbers? Anyway, yeah, all right, fine. We read to the end of a thing about Parker. Yeah, basically, the chapter called Charles Kent stopped there. All right. It's either either (laughs) chapter 18 or 16, depending on the version you've got somehow. I tell you what, it's going to turn out that one of us has epically spoiled ourselves here, like whoever's (laughs) read the wrong chapter number all the way. Uh, Okay, so uh, let's go through it then. So chapter 12, Round the Table... Um, this is uh, basically during this chapter Poirot gets the household together and sits them all down and tells them look you're all lying to me or you're all keeping something from me anyone fancy speaking up he's see he's been all carrot hasn't it and now it's the stick now he gets them all together in a room and does the thing that your primary school teacher did your reception class teacher he's not angry no 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 he's just disappointed (laughs) Yeah, uh, there are a few other things that happen in this chapter before that as well. Uh, we get the increasing feeling that Ralph is looking guilty. Uh, there's still no sign of him. Uh, there's, I, I thought at this point, and someone else comes up with it a bit later on. Maybe he's uh, he's hiding closer to home rather than uh, oh. getting the train in in the bustling yeah. fictional metropolis of Cranchester. You mean? Well, exactly. Yeah, that well, that would seem <laughs> a, an obvious place, but uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> also, do you remember this um, this issue about fingerprints? Uh, yeah. There was uh, there was prints on the knife, and um, the inspector was at the, at the start of this investigation very excited about that and thought that'd be the key. Yeah, quite reasonably. Yeah, uh, Poirot seems to think otherwise now. He thinks that might be a 
a blind alley because um, nobody in the household has matched the prince to the knife. Uh, the the police tend to think that the prince will probably belong to Ralph. Yeah. But Poirot's not so sure. He came, comes up with an idea that maybe the prince belonged to the deceased Roger Ackroyd. But, so, but not, and when on. I read that, I did think, sort of, what, he stabbed himself in the neck? That's Is exactly this... what the police say. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And it's, it's a little bit galling to have had the same response in my head <laughs> as the police who appear in this scene in the role of the totally clueless, extremely overconfident, self-important, under-informed wankers. I don't like appearing to be that kind of character, but it's undeniable that me and the slow policeman are on exactly the same page in this. Yeah. Why'd he do that then, Poirot? Eh? Eh, stab himself in the neck, would he? Bollocks. <laughs> uh, no, I know, sure. <laughs> Perhaps his fingerprints were a put on the knife after he was deceased. That's what he Good said. heavens, he's right. <laughs> Twiddle's moustache. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then, then we move on to this this scene with the uh, in, in the house uh, saying look who's lying to me you're all lying to me I know you are what you <laughs> <laughs> I know you are who are you <laughs> it is it is uh, someone says um, about Ralph that maybe like his actions are sort of down to a bit of an act of God mm. and and this guy, Jeffrey Raymond, makes this crack saying something about thick ankles. Thick ankles? Yeah. This Raymond's a weird one, isn't he? He's, he's all, yeah. all sorts of chirpy all the time. And then he makes these really weird... Is it a joke? Is it a... Like, is he, is he just constantly trying to raise the levity of the room? Oh, well, those, those thick ankles. Hey, Anyone? <laughs> no? is <laughs> he's the worst fucking stand-up comedian most inappropriate kind of jokey member of a conversation you ever saw what's going on there yeah yeah i don't know it, it, but it interests me that because it seems such a strange thing to say that i thought it must be relevant somewhere yeah i thought it could either be one of two things one if we're going down this ralph doesn't want to marry his cousin line are we it might be because well that's what that's what that was my theory was oh, right. marry his cousin i'm so he runs off with the sexy oh, with dancing the sexy parlor dancing parlourmaid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if that's the case, maybe maybe his his cousin. But besides the fact that she's his cousin, um, has also got thick ankles. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or is that just like like he's just desperate to come up with something to say about the situation to look like he's engaged for some reason? Why he'd want to be engaged with the investigation? I don't know. But everybody's talking about it. He goes like. Yeah, she might have thick ankles. <laughs> just everybody in the room just sort of slowly turns, including Poirot, just to look at him and be like, "What the, what the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> I like the I like the idea that Ralph's just an ankle man and he can't get he can't get on board with uh, with flurry ankles. <laughs> That's amazing. It's <laughs> incredible. A complete male chauvinist pig, but only for a three-inch gap between the feet and the calves. And that's what that's what he does is is sort of horrendous sharking on oh big ankles no oh, no no <laughs> yeah uh, the alternative theory that I had in retrospect was um, we come on a bit later in this part about whether Ralph was wearing black or brown boots 
maybe that's got something to do with it. This is exactly the sort of like, this is what I think of when I think of Hercule Poirot as a character, is like making the whole plot of the novel hang on something really small, like the colour of somebody's <laughs> boots, and then not explaining why he's talking about it. Yeah. Bastard. It's infuriating. <laughs> yeah, it really is. He's like, Mr. Poirot, why do you want to know about the boots? And then he would just, with impeccable good manners, but he would be like, it is a matter of no little importance. Anyway, anybody see the game last night? You know, like, it just, <laughs> like, changes the changes direction of the conversation completely, and you end up going like, I'm going to find out about that in two chapters, you bastard. Yeah. For a man sitting here furious with the fact that everyone else around him is keeping things on the <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely correct. Glorious. He is a little bit sort of like pot kettle situation, isn't it? Deary me. Mr. Poirot, I noticed that you're telling us off for keeping things from you, and you have finished precisely no sentences since we started talking about who might have committed the murder. And then, he, and you know what he would do, though? You know what he would do? He would just look and just shrug, just be in that very Gallic kind of way, just like, <sighs> instead of actually saying, you know, that's not a bad point. He would never say that. Uh, there are a couple of people who are at least talkative. Uh, Mrs. Aykroyd is very much continuing to pin everything on Ralph, uh, going, I always do as, you know, a bad in and all this. Deary um, me. But do you think that's, is that coming from her desire to, like, well, it can't be anymore, can it? Or to get more money. If he's arrested for the murder of the... Does he still inherit the stuff that he was going to inherit? Because if so, this could be some fairly fairly dodgy manoeuvring on the part of Mrs. Aykroyd. You know what mm. I mean? Like, kind of saying... Like, trying to make it so that she gets all of the inheritance by setting up her stepson... Uh, sorry, her step-nephew um, as, as the murderer of her former brother-in-law. Like... Yeah. He's a wrong and that one. He's a wrong and is it? Good heavens! Do you mean to say that now he's been locked up, most based mostly on my testimony? Uh, that I'm going to get all of his thousands and thousands of pounds. You <laughs> amaze me! Wow! Ooh, the dividend yeah. for honesty, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see a situation where he would stand to lose his inheritance, though, he's, uh, because I'm not. He, he might go to jail for twenty years, but it's still before him when it. It's still be there for him when he comes out, I'd have thought. Yeah, I suppose, actually. I wonder what the law is on that, actually. Not that I have yeah. any reason to need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit, that's me being like that woman who went to the doctor earlier on and started talking just, just <laughs> apropos <laughs> of nothing about undetectable poisons. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the law is about murdering somebody you're going to inherit, isn't it? In, in the painfully hypothetical circumstance that I had some rich uncle I didn't know about. But that's yeah. not going to happen. I don't know, I tend to think when, like, bank robbers and stuff or people done for mass fraud get sent down mm. I kind of vaguely remember that there are loads of cases where it's, it feels a little unfair that when they come out they still keep the money because they can't find out where it is oh yeah that's actually like I mean you can seize but that's different isn't it like stolen assets can be seized and returned to their owners but in the case yeah. of a will the person who made the will is dead and so the only word you have from them on it is what they wrote down even if that turned yeah. out to be tragically misguided you know yeah yeah, so it's likely to keep it, but uh, I'm sure Mrs. A if, I'm sure if if Ralph is banged up in prison for twenty years, that's plenty of time for Mrs. Ackroyd to work out to wheedle a bit of money away from him. Yeah, yeah, I um, would imagine. So if that, the, the other person speaking a lot here is Flora, um, who is very suddenly de decides to sort of come out and say, "I'm going to announce my marriage to Ralph as a show of support." <laughs> uh, is, is, is that weird. a bit weird? 
Yeah. Like I think it's weird. But I, then I think the fact that the two cousins are getting married is weird, so I'm that's not sure true. to draw the line. Although here. I was thinking about this and they're not actually in any sense related, are they? Like it's like it's a guy adopts a kid and then his brother's daughter meets that kid and they want to get married. It's not quite the same as being sort of, which I'm perfectly, you know, it's a matter of record that it happened because our royal family don't have very much in the way of chins. But, you know, I don't think this is actually quite the case of the the, the absurdly privileged keep it in the family as close as possible thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point, I suppose. Um, chapter 13 is the goose quill. <laughs> And let me tell you, I've been waiting for that's that isn't that a classic kind of uh, suspense novel yeah. chapter title yeah. as well? The Goose Quill. The Goose it Quill. I found it in Marrakesh. You know, <laughs> yeah, that could have been the name of the book, couldn't it? Yeah, quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Rather than telling you who was going to get killed in the first few pages. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, the goose quill, we go around to Poirot's for dinner uh, with Dr. Shepard. Lovely. Um, <laughs> he makes some offhand comment about something about women noticing everything, which um, <laughs> is a bit weird. And uh, <laughs> then Poirot goes through his theory um, that the stranger we met, who people thought might have been Ralph asking for his own address, um, was in fact a Canadian or American stranger who's addicted to drugs. Yeah, so you would have thought, wouldn't you, that in the chapter earlier on where we were saying, I bet he's got an accent like this, isn't he? He's one of them lower order types. (laughs) You would have thought that one of us would have noticed if he'd have said, and the, the, the stranger, weirdly enough, had an American accent. Like, yeah, yeah. Did he not think to mention it? Is it American? Are we in some weird bubble where the American tourist kind of boom had already occurred in this particular very, very small <laughs> English town without... Yeah, like, I, what? Like, what? Yeah. It's weird what, why would Why would the POV character not Note. think, oh, he's got an American accent. Yeah, it's not like they I were... never hear American yeah, accent. Exactly. Yeah. They're not ten a penny, are they? Mm. Back then. Yeah. Yeah, I love the fact that when Poirot says that, he got, the shepherd's like, hmm, now you mention it. Yeah, he did, he did have an American accent. I didn't think about that. I mean, <laughs> if, if we didn't know about it, that would be really suspicious. But Yeah, yeah. yeah would it be, is this like an editing error or what? Or, yeah. or, or more, more suspiciously, more ominously, what else is the good doctor not telling us? Yeah. Hey, what else has he forgotten to put out for us? Yeah, he's got a form for not saying things, hasn't he? He has, he's, yeah, he's just one of his all. <laughs> super special skills, isn't it? Not saying anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like it's like in the Avengers, you got all these superpowers, then you got Hawkeye, he just shoots arrows. Yeah. His, his, his superpower is silence. <laughs> Seems like a weird superpower. Yeah, it's like Heart in a. If you ever watched Captain Planet, they all had rings, <laughs> <which> are, <laughs> and everyone had like really cool ones, like causing an earthquake or. You know, a flood through white water, all these elemental powers, and then Hart was just like being nice to people. <laughs> <laughs> They're so close to making a good philosophical point there, aren't they? But the execution of it was so bad that it just kind of reinforced all the reasons why people would automatically think that was rubbish. <laughs> You're going to be Hart. Oh, great! What is that? Do I? Do I do they, my enemy's hearts burst open or something? And uh, it's so no, no, no. You'd be nice to people. What? That's a superpower. 
in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And instead of going, instead of like undermining that disappointment and saying, look how powerful it is to be a decent human being, they literally just made it. Go on, be nice. Nice is a superpower these days. What? <laughs> what? Not in the same way causing earthquakes is a superpower. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're getting off the point. Di- now, digression like, um... somewhat, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah Poirot also says that he thinks... Ralph has three motives for killing Ackroyd. One is, um, obviously, it was hard up for money, so the theft of the cash and inheritance and all that. Two was, he thinks Ralph could be the blackmailer. Possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, And three is, again, he he was in some scrape, um, which Poirot seems to assume isn't to do with money, which I would have thought would be to do with money, but... um, he thinks that's a separate motive to to cash. Mm, yeah, but he thinks <laughs> because everything's pointing to basically what you said at the start, Dave. Because it looks so obvious that it's Ralph, it probably isn't. Is, uh, <laughs> I'd love that if he kept. If it turned out just to be a complete smackdown argument that it definitely is Ralph, and Poirot's still like, ah, <laughs> yeah. but you must embrace the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that one in a Blackadder where the guy's found with the knife next to the body, and when the police find him, he says, "I'm glad I killed the bastard." Far <laughs> I was like, "Hmm, mm. nothing is that is a fear." An interesting little wrinkle to introduce into this otherwise complicated <laughs> situation. Uh, chapter fourteen. Uh, no, here, uh, Mrs. Ackroyd is struck down with worry. And I've put here Mrs. Bennett style from Pride and Prejudice, in that she gets so upset she's taken to bed with illness, um, <laughs> as as women tend to do at this time. Oh, jeez! Yeah, there there are a couple of moments throughout this particular passage, aren't there, or this particular bit of the book that we're reading, where you're like, "Whoa, whoa, hello, nineteen <laughs> twelve, <laughs> like." Like there's an even worse bit later on where um yeah where some, I think I know what's coming <laughs> yeah well where somebody makes a, it just like our our protagonist by the way the person we are supposed to like refers to like is talking about a debt collector and says yeah. you know oh they all seem to have Scottish names but then then they all like he basically says they all have Jewish roots and you're like yeah. how the fuck is that in a mainstream like nobody nobody at any point reading it went come on Agatha you got anything to back that up anything just a bit mindlessly hateful stereotype in there is there no no nobody yeah. oh she's made us millions this year all right go ahead then what the fuck yeah maybe it's just a reflection of the time yeah I mean well, I'm, yeah and 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 clearly it is, but, uh, you know, clearly it is representative of the times, but, like, but I just, it was just one of those weird things where, like, so much of the world she's describing here is actually still quite familiar to me, like, the way English people interact and gossip quite a lot, and, you know, what small English villages are actually like, and the kind of, you know, the sort of, you know, civility and niceness of it all, but then the capacity for very quite shocking things to happen there and so on all of that is is actually almost preserved and then there's these little moments where i'm like whoa man we have changed (laughs) like like in terms of like the environments we inhabit and whatever we we haven't changed at all but in terms of like our understanding of other people in the world it's you know it's dramatically different Hmm. um yeah hellfire man i was shocked at that i really was (laughs) Now, uh, Mrs. Ackroyd, uh, yes, yeah, she's struck, struck down with worry. 
Um, she's obviously hiding something. Um, she's she's basically saying, "Oh, that Ursula, the is it the was she the parlor maid? She's one of the maids. Uh, she's a liar. Whatever she's told you isn't true. She's not really said anything yet. So um, yeah, the doctor's thinking, "Ooh, what is this?" Mm. And the uh, the confession that she gives in the end is she's interested in. Uh, the will of uh, of Roger Ackroyd. <laughs> she she basically snuck she? into his study. Yeah, she snuck into his study to take a peek at it, and basically got caught by the parlour maid. Um, and then she sort of wandered out and tried to steal something from that cabinet of priceless sort of curiosities. Um, which she was she says she was planning to sell for Roger Ackroyd's benefit, which uh, uh, seems a paper thin. Oh, were you? This guy, like, she, but she's already got it right the way into this, talking about the sort of, talking about, how, you know, how he never was never kind with money and he always had all the money and he never gave it away and stuff. And then her way of papering over the cracks at the end of this thing is like, yeah, but I was only doing it for him. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't prove yeah. otherwise. <laughs> you must understand, it was all for him, somehow. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, the sort of suspicion is falling a bit more on this Miss Russell character as well, famous for the sort of asking about poisons and being out of breath uh, in and the house. the sexy dance. And the sexy dance. And the sexy dance. Which may or may not have happened. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, can we say the sexy dance, which is completely an invention of your diseased imagination. <laughs> but she, uh, uh, the, the, Dr. Shepard's thinking, I wonder why she was out of breath. Maybe she was running in from the garden because she was doing a clandestine meeting somewhere. Because there's this meeting out in the summer house, which we're, uh, which, which we're led to believe may be important. Um, the uh, we didn't really go over this when we we're going the goose quill chapter, but there's uh, basically the goose quill was something that um, Farrow found in the summer house, along with this little scrap of uh, sort of fabric from someone's dress. So the idea is that this American or Canadian. Uh, drug addict stranger met a mystery person, someone from the household in the summer house, and then was taken inside to to do the deed and kill Ackroyd. I'll tell you what, though, right? I'll tell you what. This book is... It started off with saying, I always know when somebody reads the Daily Mail that they're trustworthy, and has moved forward through anti-Semitism, and then, (laughs) you know, like, all all, all the way to... um, Oh, he was foreign, so he must have done it. It's it's a it is it is a festival of all that's ugly in the British attitude towards foreigners. I'll tell you, bloody hell. I wonder if this I wonder if this American's a refugee. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. fuck. Uh, but I mean, yeah. But can you imagine? And I bet, I bet in the, in the moral world of this book, if he turns out to be a refugee, it will be like, oh no, 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 no clearly guilty. String him up, string him up. Um, right. Oh, the, the other thing at the end of this chapter is we find out about Caroline's secret mission that she's been given by Poirot. Poirot wants her to find out, uh, to basically go to the inn and find out if Ralph's boots were black or brown. Uh, it turns out they were black, and Poirot thought they were going to be brown, and this is a problem for reasons we are not told. Again. Hmm. Chapter 50. <laughs> Uh, sorry, 15. I'm just I'm filled with my anger at that whole that whole cliffhanger <laughs> situation. You, you're not getting anything funny out of me for that, bastards. Uh, chapter fifteen is Jeffrey Raymond. Oh yeah. yeah but, oh, is it, Mister yeah. Chirpy? No punchline, eh? 
Mm. Mr. Thick, thick ankles are somehow worth commenting on in the spirit of levity. Yeah. Now, we don't meet Jeff just yet. Jeff. But, um, Jeff Ray. Jeff Ray. But uh, we go around to Poirot's with Dr. Shepard, who's been sent over to give him some jam from Caroline. Um, basically an excuse just to go around and have a chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, can you not just go around and say hello? No, no, you must carry a, a, a jar of jam as a <laughs> as a, a placeholder. Yeah. Uh, while he's there, Stephen Raymond comes around for a visit and to drop a little confession on people. It's interesting that sort of Poirot's little tantrum at the at the table when he had everybody around <clears> saying, you're all lying to me, someone tell me the truth, has had a bit of a, an effect because we've had Mrs. Ackroyd sort of say, this is what I was hiding. And now Jeffrey Raymond takes his turn. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he says, oh, I, I feel, you know, I've had something that's sort of prickling at my conscience. Uh, I did owe someone 500 quid. Oh, no, I, I was in debt, basically. And the 500 quid I've inherited after Ackroyd's death has uh, has helped me out there, so I, I did stand to gain from it. But I've got an alibi in that I was laying down some beats with Major Blunt in the <laughs> studio or the drawing room um, <laughs> when the murder occurred. Laying down so, some beats. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like Raymond, is, Jeffrey Raymond, is a. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's innocent it, because he was recording with James Blunt at the time. Alibi. Yeah, because Major Blunt, yeah. Um, the, the Poirot and uh, Shepard just talk a bit about Blunt, and you know what he loves even more than music? What is it? The that ladies. He, he's, <laughs> I thought you um, were going to say the weed then. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But um, the question is, he's obviously very fond of Flora. Could he have killed for love? <gasps> but again, he's got an alibi because oh. with Raymond, so no, he couldn't. These alibi, these network of alibis seem to assume that nobody could have worked together. Yeah, which is a bit questionable, isn't it? Hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, so is. so Poirot, part of it, part of it, Poirot's got his his primary school teacher game. He's got it down. He's got it set. Hmm. He's not mad. He's just disappointed. But then he, he's failed to notice that they can conspire. See, yeah. primary school children, sly little yeah. boys. Yeah, and uh, the they also. Just sort of break, come back round to suspecting poor old Parker, the little pervert. Um, Parker the pervert. <laughs> if you remember, he's a guy who was sneakily spying on Ackroyd close before his death. Yeah. Um, for reasons we don't know yet, which we're going to find out slightly in a bit two chapters. Mm. And they think maybe he was the guy who destroyed... Maybe he's the blackmailer. And he destroyed the letter, which revealed him to be the blackmailer, which Ackroyd had uh. at the time. So they're going to have a little test to find out if Parker really is sort of a blackmailer. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Then. Trying to find, trying to find a dramatic way of saying a blackmailer. <laughs> trying to find out if he is indeed. 
threatening to expose some unknown and possibly damaging information in response. How long can one go on in a kind of declamatory tone of voice for a climax? (laughs) You see, the way it works in this situation is that one would present somebody with a demand for money in case of... (laughs) This test... This test turns out to be going right into the house, getting Parker to sort of reenact part of the evening's events and questioning him about how many glasses he's uh, he brought into the room and then they, they leave and Poirot again mysteriously says ah oh, I found out something interesting there which I'm not going to tell you and then we move on to the next chapter <laughs> damn it Hercule damn it <laughs> uh, the next chapter is an evening at Mahjong you ever played Mahjong Dave? um no, I mean, I only came across it as it wasn't it sort of one of those like um, like Minesweeper type games that used to be on Windows. There was a Mahjong. Oh yeah, there was yeah. Play. But I just I, I opened it at once, looked at it, and went, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and closed it again. Yeah, Minesweeper. I can just about understand, but Mahjong's beyond me. Apparently, it's better than Bridge, according to uh, Doctor Shepard, which uh, which they're trying to make a sport. Did you know? In, in real life, in, in, rather than in the, the weird, twisted moral world of this novel, yeah. actually, in real life, they want to make bridges sport. Well, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I do. I quite like that idea, though. Actually, imagine it like an Olympic sport where the older you get, the better you are at it. I, I would really love that if you saw like kind of like women aged eighty five who have been playing it, you know, quietly around the village for decades, just being like yeah. Olympic gold medalists. <laughs> Once it's an official game, though, they all sit around drinking cups and cups and cups of tea, and I reckon that would become a banned performance-enhancing drug. performance-enhancing drug. <laughs> what have you got there? The Nothing. Is it Lipton? It's not Lipton. It's Yorkshire. You, you can't stop me, you. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. Uh, but, yeah, so Mahjong apparently is even more intense and better than Bridge. Um, Where was that? Was- During the Beijing Olympics, eh? Well, exactly. And, I mean, it sounds like I mean, you, you, apparently, according to what happens in this, obviously there's a, the game's going on as they're talking. Uh, one of the things that happens is, I think the colonel says something like, I'll pung that green dragon. So it sounds like an interesting game. It, it does, and, and I, I regretted that I didn't have more time to go through and read the chapter uh, introducing obscure sexual innuendo for every new mahjong term that was introduced because mm. i think that could have been quite funny but um yeah. but but it as it was it was just baffling it was well it's like all the all the movie scenes that are set around poker games right like they kind of you yeah. kind of acquire a knowledge of poker without ever having really played it because it's it, that's the game that everybody uses and it was only when reading mm. this that i realized how weird that is as like a narrative device it just sort of assumes yeah. everybody understands all of the terminology Whereas with Mahjong, I was like, Kung, uh, Unpung, Pung, Kong, Chow, Chi? Is it Chi or Chow? Like, all of that. Like, what? Yeah. I think it, it, it's... what it's. I, I thought it was okay, this, because it's like... Um, it kind of... Ex- thinks it, I, I think it's written for, you know, expecting you probably not to know how to play it, but, the, but it doesn't matter. It's like... Uh, uh, if you watch... If you've ever seen ER, the... Uh, 
oh, yeah. drama series on the US. And that is, there's loads of stuff like, get me 20 cc's of butter do start, and you've no idea what on earth you're talking about, but it doesn't really matter. All the impression they're trying to give is something medical's going on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something you, serious. If you get happening. that, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Actually, I think that is a good example as well, because it, and it, it works rhythmically as well, doesn't it? It sort of breaks up the yeah. gossip. It's something interesting to do instead of having them just all sitting in a room kind of going yeah. I've heard this well I've heard you know um, yeah so I, I thought it was a it, nice right? cha- a, yeah it was a nice change actually yeah um, I agree with that yeah because it does it is it does get a little bogged down sometimes this book and just as you say people just sitting around talk, discussing who's killed Roger Ackroyd mm. um, it's good to have something else happening even if it is pretty you know impenetrable um so the people here playing, there's Caroline and there's Dr. Shepard, and then they've, they're having over this, I assume this couple, um, this colonel, who keeps banging on about the Shanghai Club, which apparently he's never been to. <laughs> the old school British Empire fraud, eh? Yeah. Oh, in the Shanghai Club, we say blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And there's Miss Gannett, who, um, between portions of enormous food, I presume, is saying that... Um, Flora may have been guilty. She's got a theory about her doing it. Which would be sort of the the person you least expect, I suppose, because she's the, you know, the, the, the most innocent seeming of all the characters, isn't she? Well, yeah, although she was doing a little dance because she made so much money off of her uncle's death, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, I think she's been subtly set up as the one you're supposed not to trust. Mm. Well, yeah, the was was that, and the fact that she's leaping to Ralph's defence. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. It's, it could be seen as raising her head above the parapet a little bit. Certainly can. My word. Mm. Uh, Caroline's got a theory. You ready for it? Has she? Is it another yeah. theory involving just her, her weird ability to pull absolute factual statements out of thin air? Yeah, well, it's it's one of her special theories that she sees something and decides. Yeah, there's a there's a, the the reason for that is obvious and thinks no more about it. So Poirot has been seen driving back from Cranchester oh. one day, um, which is for Caroline irrefutable proof that Ralph is hiding in Cranchester. <laughs> I love her ability. It's not even like extrapolation. It's, it's extrapolation raised to a level of genius. It's, it's almost divination, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah I reckon because he was there. Then this means the following nine things have happened, and that actually, like, you know, whatever it was, JFK actually shot himself. You know, like she just gets to these absurd outcomes uh, through yeah. the sheer power of gossip and gossip and con- conjecture. Yeah, although that is roughly the sort of theory I was going with with Ralph. So when she said it, I was like, I think that too. <laughs> I might, may not agree with the methods, but I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're all into it, aren't you? You love a bit of absurdly gossipy rural British <laughs> character type. <laughs> um, Dr. Shepard uh, goes Mao Jong, he wins. Hey. And in the in the sudden climactic ecstasy of uh, of winning at Mahjong, he blurts out about this gold ring that he's found. He sort of goes, I've won at Mahjong. Oh, and guess what? I've also got a really 
cool bit of information about the case. So he shares this bit about the gold ring. I love that it goes right to his head. Yes, have it. I win. Now here's some interesting information. It's like it's like um, <laughs> it's uh, it's like an old adventure game, isn't it? It's like do you ever play like Monkey Island or Grim Fandango or any of those? Like yeah. where, like something where like the point of the puzzle was to get somebody to win, so they feel so over- overwhelmed with joy that they tell you it's like that. It's just like magic. It turns on like a tap. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, this leads to a conversation about who the ring belongs to, who's married. Most people think it it may well be Ralph, obviously, and and who, but who's he given it to? Who's he married? Various people put forward, and the final super theory, which Caroline comes up with after everyone else has gone home, is maybe maybe it was Raymond with his uh, ring, and he's just he's just like super formal with it. And, like, <laughs> Even on a ring that's supposed to be secret or something, he's been like, my darling, yours, Mr. Raymond. (laughs) Um, Caroline also comes out with this comment, which she doesn't elaborate upon, that Flora clearly doesn't care for Ralph. Once again, where is that coming from? We've not actually ever seen them in the same room together, and all she's done is talk about how much she does care about him. That may or may yeah. not be true, but her, like, this is weird. If any plot's built on the top of this ridiculous, like, like ad hominem deus ex machina plot device gossip machine, I'm going to be really angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the final chapter for today is Parker. Back to Parker. Parker, Parker the perv. All roads lead to Pervy Parker. Pervy Parker the There's... peeping person, eh? Yeah. <laughs> There's, a... There's a joint funeral... Um, for obviously Ackroyd and Mrs. Ferrers, and then Parker is is sent for by Poirot for a, a bit of a more private conversation, uh, where Poirot basically comes out and accuses Parker of being a blackmailer, <gasps> and says, "I've done some research," says Poirot, and it fa- turns out that Parker's previous employer, Major Ellaby. Um, was in it up to his neck. Parker had been blackmailing him for years, so he's got form. So, Which I loved as a moment of plot revelation, but my thing is, how the hell did you find that out? Like, <laughs> there are there are nine people in this, in the, like nine suspects, basically, people who are in the house that you're kind of interested in who might have done it. Have you called absolutely everybody they've worked for in the past and then somehow kind of wheedled and needled your way into their deepest, darkest secrets? The ones that existed, you know, for people who are now dead were a big part of their lives but which they never told anybody about. Like, like mm. bollocks, what is he? The fucking <laughs> source whisperer. Like, how, how's he doing that? He's an industrious man. He's an industrious With it, with it. Oh, we know the answer to that. He gets people together in a room and he passive aggressively yeah. tells them. <laughs> and they start singing like canaries. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he has to find a way to do it like on a quick schedule because he's sort of up against time. He's got nine people's backstories to investigate. So just driving around the place, going and sitting down and going, hello, 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 to meet you, of course. This is nice to meet you. Yes, I'd like to know an answer to a question. <laughs> I think you're keeping something from me. I'm not angry right now. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I reckon it's even faster than that. I reckon he's just driving through Cranchester, shouting out the window, "A liar! A liar! I love <laughs> <laughs> <of> you!" Hey! <laughs> and then he just sort of sits there in the square and sees who comes forward. <laughs> <laughs> sits there with perfectly composed look 
of kind of self righteous kind of waiting expectation on his face. Yeah. Um Parker says, Yeah, you got me. I I, I am a blackmailer, but um I didn't blackmail Ackroyd. He says the reason he was sneakily listening in at the door was because he, he heard blackmail mentioned and thought, Ooh, I'll I'll have a piece of this <laughs> and <laughs> Started listening in to sort of try and find out more, and maybe he could do a bit of the blackmailing too. Brilliant, um, yeah, brilliant. So, good, good bloke, this guy. Also, you know, maybe if someone's doing a sexy dance, he could have a sneaky look as well. Well, is there? It's, he doesn't yeah, mention that. Sneaky something but... else you were suggesting before. Bloody <laughs> hell! Well, well, um, they they go to the lawyer, Mister Hammond, to, uh, to just to check this out. And basically, Hammond tells uh, Poirot and and Dr. Shepard that, yeah, um, Mrs. Farris was paying out quite a lot of money to a mystery person, which sort of corroborates the blackmail line. Actually, it was around £20,000 in total. And this is is seen as proof by Poirot that it's obviously not the butler, because he'd have left by now or done something with it. Um, And he doesn't think he's clever enough to have used sort of a... A different account than the one that he showed Poirot, yeah. so he's discounted as a blackmailer. Yeah. Well, okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, the, the logic of that is fairly impeccable, but there is some this miracle of his ability to just sit in front of somebody and go, "Come now, Monsieur," and then they go, <laughs> "Oh, okay, you're right. Here are my secrets." <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he does have a talent for that. We'll give him that. Certainly does. Um, we, we go back to to Shepherds. Uh, where they sit with Caroline and have lamb chops, or it turns out they can't because they haven't made enough. And Poirot goes over his new theory now, or his extended theory, Mm. that um, the murderer is also the blackmailer. And basically what what he thinks has happened is that there was this blackmailer who's been uh, sending letters to uh, obviously to Mrs. Farris and getting more and more money, but he, he goes a bit too far and she decides that she can't take it anymore and kills herself. And then Ackroyd gets this letter and finds out who it is. And the moment he finds out, he's killed because he knows too much. So it's not about his inheritance. Oh, that's just a nice side effect for everybody else. Yeah. So who do you think this blackmailer... We'll come, that's the end of our part for today. Oh, it ends with... They get a call from the police saying... We've captured a guy <gasps> who I think you might be interested in. <gasps> it's the dark stranger, American drug addict stranger, we think. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. There so, you go. So that, that, that will be advancing the plot further next week yeah. when, we, when we read the rest of the book. But just going back to that blackmailer question, who do you think the blackmailer is? Oh, tis. by extension, I, the murderer. I don't know. Could be anybody, though, couldn't it? Like, could be somebody we've yeah. never. If we were about to have it introduced to us, this character who's previously only appeared as a lower class stereotype and a raised collar. Like, yeah. all bets are off, aren't they? If it turns out to be this bloke. Um, but here's the thing with that: with the uh, the, the fact this bloke exists, um, if he's connected to the murder, mm. is a problem for this blackmail theory, because, like. The reason we're being led to believe here, the reason Ackroyd's killed is that he's found out this letter. He's read this letter, but they only find out he's read the letter like 
during the evening. Like, so how is this? This is this guy just on his way over, just on the off chance that they're going to find out that Akroy's read the letter and then decide they need someone to kill him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that is a bit weird, actually, isn't it? It's like, listen, I'm going to need you. We're going to need to put a very, very complicated plan in place just in case. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, I think the only way that theory works is if this weird stranger has just been turning up just to do a bit of drugs in the summer house and leave. But then there are <laughs> I've fo- got this great place. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But then there are footprints of what appear to be his or Ralph's. Or, oh, I don't know. It's all, it's all tangled up at the moment, isn't it? Curiouser and curiouser. Curiouser and yet more curious. Mm. I still think there's room for a sexy dance in here, though. Yeah, well, so that's we'll just see. because you would love that, wouldn't you? It'd be the twist to end all twists. The twist to end all twists, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're reading along with us, we are going to be doing the rest of the book next week. Uh, so we will find out, I assume, who the murderer is. We're also next week doing your feedback, your uh, reviews of the book, uh, along with some ones from around the world. And uh, we'll also be delving once again into our uh, junk mail feedback section, <laughs> which you never know what's going to come up there. Uh, I'll, I'll level with that. you, Matt. I'm, I'm fairly, I might have a good idea what will come up there. <laughs> but we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to get your own feedback or review into us, uh, the email address is sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get us on Twitter, at sharkliveroil. And uh, you know what? If you've got time, leave us a, a review on iTunes, if you can. Or uh, just just mention it to someone. Just uh, don't be like Poirot, withholding information. Just say, <laughs> don't, 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 don't say to a friend, hey, I'm listening to this great podcast, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Tell them and Do invite them to join absolutely. the community that is Shark Liver Oil, which we're building up quite nicely at the moment. It's ticking along quite yeah. quite nicely. Hello, everybody. So get involved, yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. Lovely stuff. And we'll be back next week. We will. With Sorry. a revelation, or if not a revelation, a really seriously pissed off Dave. Yeah. That's what's going to Both of those are equally exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a reason you carried on doing this podcast, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, see you later.